Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and tonight we're digging into my message from Sunday, which was about the which was the start of our sermon series here on the life and ministry of Peter. Um, so we're going to be going to be digging into some of Peter's background. Um, one of the comments I made on Sunday is that Peter's character map is wild. And so we're going to be seeing a few more examples of that wildness and then just talking about what it means to drop our own nets and follow Jesus. So let's get into it. I mean, before this, we know nothing about Simon Peter, right? No, we don't, okay. really. Like, this is the first this, time. I mean, technically, it's not the first time. Um, it, 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 it depends on how you put the four Gospels together. But in John's telling of this story, before... It's like weeks. It's like weeks before that Jesus is kind of people watching from a distance and hmm. sees Andrew and Simon, Peter, and then James and John. And it takes him some time to make that contact. But he's liking what he's seeing so far. And so he would have known Simon Peter before he stepped on the boat, even if Simon Peter didn't know Jesus. What was that context? Like, what was why what was jesus drawn or like why was jesus' attention drawn to those four sure yeah that's a great question let me look in the bible really fast sure um i don't i don't have that locked off the top of my head but i know where to find it it's in the gospel of john the next day john was standing again with with john the baptist was standing with two of his disciples when he saw jesus walking along he said look the lamb of god the two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, What are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? He replied, Come and see. And when they saw where he was staying, they remained, remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the disciples who heard what John said and followed Jesus was Andrew. So Andrew was a disciple of John and heard about Jesus and then brought brought them into into each other's company so it was really what what drew them in was a fascination with jesus um with 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 andrew first and then and then through andrew peter and then james and john so but you said andrew was following john at the time yeah okay yep. so john was a rabbi yep well or john no, was a teacher john was a teacher a, a teacher kind a teacher a ta yeah, basically. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. No, he was, I mean, he was called to prophetic to a prophetic ministry of preparing the way for Jesus and getting people ready by baptizing them with water, understanding that Jesus is going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit eventually. So. Gotcha. But, I've always wondered how that, like who John, I mean. Mm -hmm. Right. How that fit. Yep. Okay. Maybe watch that space for Advent. There, that might be an Advent series we do. That's huh. one that I'm looking at. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to do a series on John at Advent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. Yep. Hmm. Um, mentioned in the sermon that uh, Simon's character map is interesting. Yeah. Um, can you spend some more time on that? Yeah, definitely. Um, without maybe giving away the rest of the sermon sure. series. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the kind of the interesting thing about Simon Peter is that he is such a major player in the gospel that there is so much stuff that we can pull from his life. And so we have this six-week sermon series 
but yet there's still so much more to the story of who he is. Because there is just such this dynamic with Simon Peter that he is so often so right and then so often so wrong. And just 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 a complete, you know, like I said on Sunday, he's just completely so us. Mm-hmm. Because there are times when we get it right and there's times where we get it wrong. Um, one of the things that I found interesting, I was kind of doing a little bit of character mapping today, um, looking at the Gospels again and looking at the lens, looking at it through the lens of Simon Peter. Um, you know, Simon Peter becomes the de facto leader of the disciples and like becomes, in, in a lot of ways, becomes their voice piece, becomes their mouthpiece. And so like those stories where you hear, you know, the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, I, I, I think that there is room to assume that that might be the voice of Simon Peter speaking on behalf of the disciples. Jesus clearly, we're going to see in a couple weeks, Jesus clearly sets him up as the leader. Mm-hmm. You are Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's, that's different than what he says to any of the other disciples. And so Jesus sees him as a leader, and Jesus and Simon Peter have this relationship that is so deeper and so different than we see Jesus having with almost all the other disciples, except for maybe John, the beloved disciple, um, who at the end of his life commissions him to, t- to take care of his mom after he passes away on the after he dies on the cross. But Simon Peter has this ability to just say things to Jesus that the other disciples are not brave enough to say. You know, Simon Peter is the one that, you know, one of the times that Simon Peter gets right is in John 6. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I've probably talked, to, talked about it before on the podcast. But Jesus presents this series of hard teachings to the point where people just walk away. And in this moment of human defeat, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, I'm sure you guys want to leave too. And Simon Peter, in this moment of brilliance, says, you are the Christ. Like, you have the words of eternal life. Where else could we go? Mm -hmm. Of course we're going to follow you. And I think that all the other disciples would have felt that way. And they would have stayed regardless. But I think Simon Peter is the one that can speak that into the life of Jesus. So, like, when the disciples come and, you know... In John 9, Jesus is about to heal this person that's been born blind. And John's gospel tells us that the disciples say to him, Hey, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because that was the common understanding of sin in that day. They believed that sin was generational and that generational sin had these physical effects on our bodies. We now know that that's not the case. But the disciples spoke from what they knew and there's a, I mean, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a space there to assume that it's kind of like the disciples were all together, maybe having a side conversation as they were prone to doing. And they're just like, well, you tell them. No, no, you tell them, you tell them. No, I don't want to tell them, you tell them. And then Simon Peter, which we, is, is part of his character that we have seen throughout the Gospels, just kind of blurts out the thing mm-hmm. and says, you know, Jesus, what's up with this? And then Jesus can turn that around and say, no, that's, that's not how this works. This man was born blind so that, he, so that he can display the glory of God. And then heals him. And then there's a whole questioning and a whole thing that happens. But, G, but Simon Peter is that representative voice for the disciples. In the Gospel of Luke, how we get the Lord's Prayer in Luke's Gospel is the disciples come to him and say, 
we don't know how to pray, and John's disciples all pray. Can you teach us how to pray? And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer in, in Luke's Gospel. And I just have to imagine that that is the voice of Peter asking Jesus, hey, we don't get this, and we want to help. And so, like, that's part of his character map, is there is the representative voice. The other parts are those times where he gets it so right and gets it so wrong. Like the transfiguration is a story where Simon Peter gets it simultaneously right and wrong. Because on the transfiguration, the fullness of God's glory is on display, and Moses and Elijah show up, and Peter's like, this was so powerful, and I want to, I want to do something in response to that, which is how Peter gets it right, because I think we would all, all face that same idea. But how Peter gets it wrong is, say, is, is by saying to Jesus, can we build booths? Like, can we memorialize this space in some way? And Jesus says, that's not what I'm after here. I want you to know the glory of God that resides in me and then, you know, be prepared to tell people about it because that's when he's starting to really make that transition towards the cross. Mm-hmm. And he knows what's going to happen next. He knows that he is about to undergo all of these things. And he knows he's not going to be there for very much longer with his disciples. And so they have to start being ready to, to tell. Otherwise, this doesn't matter. Right. You know, and so and then the other, the other story that I really like, and we'll get to in a couple of weeks, is the story of the Great Confession, where Jesus asks the crowd, or asks, asks the disciples, who do the crowd say that I am? And the disciples answer from what they've heard. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter, again, in this kind of blurred outy type of way, says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then after that, Jesus starts to predict his passion. Jesus starts to tell the story that he's going to go to Jerusalem and suffer these things. And Peter pulls Jesus aside and completely chastises him for saying something that is just so, that can't possibly be true. You know, and Jesus has to put him, put Peter in his place and say, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me right now. Get it together. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to happen and you have to know. You know, and so Peter's character map is wild. Because again, and we will see this in the sermon series, Peter goes from denying Jesus three times before the crucifixion to then on the shore after the resurrection, affirming his love of Jesus three times. And it's just, you know, those type of brilliant moments followed by absolute bonehead moments that make Peter who he is and who I called him on Sunday to be a flawed but faithful disciple. And like, isn't that just our story? That's why I'm excited about this series, you know, to, to explore the life of this disciple who looms so large in, in, our, in, in our, who looms so large in our faith history and is yet so relatable to us because he is just so like us. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul is amazing and the things that he does are just, you know, but he starts at such a position that it's so different. You know, mm-hmm. he... You know, from the moment that he's born, he's in the best of the best schools and learning all these things and passionate for his faith and zealous for the Lord and, and, and you know, persecuting the church. Simon Peter is a fisherman. Simon Peter is a fisherman that was in the right place at the right time 
by Jesus' design, but like he just has these humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's, it's so relatable to, I feel like it's relatable to the rest of us because we're, I would say that a lot of us are more like Peter than we are the Apostle Paul. Right. But I also think it's true too, and well, and I think it's all by design. Sure. But, but we need both of the examples. Oh, absolutely. Because, absolutely, yes. Because, yeah, I mean, this isn't just for the poor people. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think, I think some people think that Christianity is for the, the uneducated, yes. poor yep. yes. um, class. Yep. And it's not true at all. No, not at all. And so you need Paul. Mm-hmm. You need the example of Paul to show that, no, this is for the rich people too. Right. You know? Yeah, Definitely. Yeah, they're not and not even just like the rich, but like the privileged and the learned and the you know yeah. Um, was it Karl Marx? Who's the famous the uh, There was a famous atheist that said that religion is the opiate of the masses, like that mm-hmm. it's just there to keep us comfortable and and complacent and you know subservient to this you know in in his estimation this imaginary god, mm-hmm. and that's just so not where we are. Like, right. Yeah. That's just a misunderstanding of what we're doing. Right, yes. Because you've never been a part of it. Mm-hmm. Or you have been a part of it and left. Right. That's the thing about atheists is most of them have been, or a lot of them yeah, have been definitely. a part of this. Oh, yeah. Yep. Don't want to believe it. They're smarter yep. than the rest of us. Right. Is a le- and, and Soren Kierkegaard would say it is a leap to faith. It is mm-hmm. There is that bit of unknown of what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? You lived a really good life if you're wrong. I had a really good life if I'm wrong. I had a really good time. I made amazing. I met amazing people I would not have otherwise met. Mm-hmm. How's that bad? Right. Yeah. The good thing is I'm 99% sure I'm right. Same. So that yeah. helps. Yep. That definitely helps. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about was, so you've got these 12 guys. Simon being the first one, you're the one we're talking about right now, Mm -hmm. gave up everything. Yes. And followed Jesus. Yep. But we're really called to be, and Paul talks about this, and Mm -hmm. you talked about this on Sunday, that we're really called to to continue to work. You know, not everyone is, is called to do that. Right. Yep. Why do you think Jesus did it this way? Sure. Where he had these 12 guys follow him around, plus whoever else. Right. Just follow him around and, and right. learn. And is it just because he had so much to say in such a small amount of time? Mm-hmm. Or what do you think? Right. I think that's definitely part of it. I mean, you know, Jesus does go on to say in a different spot of the gospel that, you know, the harvest is plentiful, plentiful but the laborers are few. And so pray for har- pray for laborers to bring in the harvest. You know, and so he, you know, he could not do it on his own. Mm-hmm. He just just straight up could not like, yes, he's the son of God and he can do everything. But yet he's also Jesus of Nazareth, the human person with our limitations and our needs for, you know, sleep and sustenance. And so there is just too much work for him to do by himself. Right. And so he has to bring in these other people. It starts with the 12. And even really within the 12, there's the three of Peter, James, and John. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, so there's the three, and then there's the 12. But then there gets to be like 72 because Jesus sends people out into the world to do this work, to do these things, to teach and to bat- and eventually, it, it, eventually to baptize. You know, And so 
I think that Jesus called these disciples together specifically to just be the laborers in the field. You know, we, there, there is a harvest to bring in, a harvest of righteousness. And if we are not out there, to borrow from another parable that Jesus tells, if we're not out there throwing the seed as far as we can, or if, if, to use what Jesus uses in Scripture, if we're not throwing the nets as far as we can throw them, then there's gonna, the, the, the harvest is going to be missed, basically. Mm-hmm. And so he has to bring in these other people, you know, because he does know that his time is short. Right. You know, I don't think, I mean, I don't, he had three years of public ministry, mm-hmm. you know, that it was, that was it. <laughs> That's not a lot of time. No. This is the start of my third year in Canton. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be like coming onto the scene of July of 2020 and then in July of 2023, just being done. And I'm mm-hmm. not, that's not what I'm about. I'm not about that life, you know? And that's just not okay. That's, that's just not enough time to get everything that you want to get done, done. And so Jesus needed, and not, Jesus chose to have the additional help so that the movement would continue after his death. Yeah. Yep. But it's the same in the individual church too today. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't spread it to everyone. Right. Because you don't know the same people that others know. Yep. For sure. Um, for sure. Yep. Yeah. In the Canton church, like I have been in Canton for, this is, like I said, this is the start of my third year. I've preached here a couple of times through college and seminary because my predecessor was a dear friend of mine, but that's very little involvement. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at a person like, you know, Janine who has lived here her entire life, you know, and she's more senior than I am, Mm -hmm. you know, and so she has that level of connection and knows everybody and can tell me, you know, I can lean on people like that and say, hey, I heard this name and I heard this about them and I don't know what to do with those things. Can you, can you do something about, can you help me in some way? Help me understand, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. there are people that are, that, that have these deep roots that, you know, are beloved in this, in this church community and broader in our community. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also don't, you don't want people thinking that the only way that you can fully follow Jesus is by dropping everything, yes, your job, right. everything you've ever. Right been a part of right yep like that that doesn't work either right yeah yeah i think i mean i think that it comes down to jesus is going to ask for everything like we we have to follow jesus with our whole hearts Mm -hmm. but yet that doesn't mean that every single one of us is called to abandon career and be and and you know there are people that are called to do that Mm -hmm. you know like i had i mean it was never a real offer, but also I impressed our regional manager at Aramark to the point where he's like, he did ask me, what are you doing after college? And I said, seminary and ministry. And he's like, okay, never mind. Peace out. You know, God be with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, he meant that, but also I think he was a little disappointed that I had, that I had a plan that was not Aramark and dining services. Mm-hmm. You know, it was never part of the plan. It was a fun job but it wasn't what I was working towards and not something that I was willing to give up in order to, you know? Sure. 
Uh, could, I, could I have faithfully followed Jesus? Uh, even, even in my call story, could I have faithfully followed Jesus and been a band teacher? Yes. Could I have faithfully followed Jesus and still worked for Aramark? Yes. But my specific calling revealed to me by the very heart of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life has been this, ministry. And, you know, there have been times where I wanted it to not be, and there just, there's, there's no way I know, I know that I'm exactly where God wants me to be, <laughs> serving the local church. Like, and that's me. That might not be you, and that doesn't mean it's bad. Right. But there are ways, like I said on Sunday, like Jesus uses our ordinary for his glory. Jesus got onto the boat of a very good fisherman who has just had the worst night of his life because he caught nothing. And then reeled him in by having him go out on his boat onto water he knew well and drop his nets at the very wrong time and still, you know, bring in the to more than make up for the, for the for the catch he didn't get that night. And I just think that that signaled to something to Peter that said, oh, wow, this is something. And all four of them, you know, James and John left their family business, which in that day at that time was not something that happened. You followed in your family's footsteps. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you did. If you were like, you know, Jesus was the son of a carpenter. Had he not been Jesus, he would have been expected to continue working with Joseph. And because we believe that Joseph died in Jesus's, you know, not in his infancy, but during his young developing years, he would have been the one to carry that forward. And so this was unprecedented and unheard of. Not just four, but 12 left absolutely everything and through it changed the world right which you know okay let's put ourselves in that situation sure yep this is you know so this is very early in jesus's ministry right Mm -hmm. yeah wouldn't you be a little skeptical still like are you if you're if you're if you're peter yeah sure like what What's going through Peter's mind at that time? Yeah. When, yeah, he just yeah. up and, yeah. I don't know. I, yep. Could I mean, you do it? Enough, enough word about Jesus has spread that he has a bit of a, of a reputation. There's a reason why he had to go onto the boat. The crowd was growing that large. Mm-hmm. But even still, I mean, look at the story of the first time Jesus calms the storm a story that we're not going to get to in the sermon series. The first time the disciples look at each other and say, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Who is this that the waves and wind obey him? Like they don't, they don't quite, this is, all, this is before the great confession. This is before they have it figured out. There is that level of skepticism, and there is that level of what I heard. It was one of the commentaries. It's what Adam Hamilton called reluctant obedience. They weren't quite sure, but they were sure enough to know to follow Jesus. And I think that that's an okay place to be in for a season. I think we eventually grow in our faith to the point where it's just obedience and not reluctant obedience, but where they were, if we're going to put ourselves right where they were, 
I am sure we would have some questions mm-hmm. and some concerns and want to know want to know more before we went further. So. Well, just think about that. You're leaving everything you've ever known. Yes. The comfort that of the job, yep. family, whatever. Yep. You're leaving all of that. Yes. To go follow a guy who's in his late 20s, early 30s, mm-hmm. who's, who's preaching or sharing a message that's completely contrary. Yes. To everything they would have learned in Hebrew school as little right. boys. Yes. Like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I mean, thank goodness they did, but... Right, yeah. We are called to give up everything to follow Jesus, but we're not called, we're not all called to give up otherwise lucrative positions in order to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if we look, we have those examples all over the place. One example that I thought of while you were, when you were saying that um, during the message on Sunday was my uncle Jeff, who we both know. Sure. He's a very successful real estate agent, yep. but... Um, is the just the pillar of of mm-hmm. how we should be as yes. Christian people. Yep, he is a deeply committed disciple of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And is and and, and has been able to do that while being successful as a real yes. estate agent. So yep. we can we can do the same. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. We need to look for those people. I mm-hmm. get lucky and have multiple, but <laughs> but yeah. So what's next week's uh, sermon about? Yeah, so we're going to be moving on in the story a little bit. Uh, the 12 have solidified, and they're following Jesus, and um, they get caught in a storm. Um, it's just after the feeding of the 5,000. Um, they've watched Jesus do this big, amazing thing, and Jesus tells them to get into the boat and go across um, Sea of Galilee, the Lake Knesseret, um, and they leave Jesus there because Jesus said so. And they see this figure during the watch, one of the watches of the night, they see this figure walking across the water to them, and they don't know it's Jesus, and so they freak out because there's a person walking on the water towards them, and that's not something you see every day. And Jesus says, take heart, it is I. We're good. And Peter just can't quite let that be and say, Jesus, if it's really you, call me out of the boat to walk on the water. And so this is Jesus, or this is Peter stepping out of the boat, stepping out in faith, trusting Jesus in the midst of the storm, because there is a storm going on, mind you. It's the winds and the waves that distract Peter and make him start to sink so that Jesus saves him. And when they get into the boat, the, the storm calms. And so are we willing to step out into stormy waters in order to follow Jesus and what storms are in our lives that Jesus wants to calm for us? If only we will, we will let him into our boat. So that's going to be the, where we focus our attention on Sunday. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in person or online or back here in the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.